Hi, this is Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan, and you are listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Mr. Neymar Spruce, and I am joined by Mr. Kobe Duran. Kobe, how are you? I'm good. Solid, buddy. I'm looking forward to this. Fantastic. We also have Mr. Justin Williams in the room. Justin, how are you doing? Living the dream, boys. Can't complain. There we go. There we go. We're in the middle of the, the Men's World Cup. We're nearing the end of the group stage. And if you're a fan of African football, we have at least one representative through Senegal. We potentially may have more. But to talk us through the performance of African teams in general, we brought in esteemed rider from Ghana and African football at large, Mr. Yao Mpofo. Yao, how are you doing? I'm doing great yourself, brother. Doing very well. Now, before we get started, brother, I need to ask. It's a very important question because we've had some Nigerians come on, and I think they may have led our audience astray. So, brother, tell our audience why Ghanaian jollof rice is the most superior jollof rice. <laughs> Ghanaian jollof rice. There's actually only one jollof rice in the Ghanaian. So, I'm not even going to um, describe it using another adjective by <laughs> there we go that's right and i think that came through when ghana won their world cup qualifier against the nigerians earlier in the year ghana progressed to the group stage of the world cup along with senegal morocco tunisia and also cameroon yeah what what is your take on the performance of the african teams in this men's world cup i think i've been very impressed with how the teams have played so far um, a lot of passion, a lot of um, patriotism, um, and also quality. Because um, African countries are on the on the rise at the moment. One country I would have actually loved to, you know, look at at the World Cup was Algeria. Didn't make it only for Cameroon to qualify. Now you look at all the building process or the build up process or the projects being set by various associations in the countries representing at the World Cup and realize now African football is going beyond just talent. Now people are really investing into the football, especially for leaders. So it's a pretty exciting time to be an African and Africans are doing us proud um, at the World Cup this year. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And with these performances, do you think we can finally see an increase in the number of qualifying slots? I mean, I know the World Cup is set to go to 48 teams in 2026, when it is held in North America, but historically, Africa has only ever had four, maybe five spots, which is interesting because there are 50-plus countries, I think 55 nowadays. Do you think we could finally see FIFA give a proportionate amount of spots to Africa in the future? Yes, I think um, it all depends on performance. Now, you look at the Europeans, they have won the most World Cups. The South Americans also winning so much at the World Cup stages. Now, when you win or you reach stages where you are very competitive, then you can really have a stake in 
asking for more. Um, that is basically my opinion. I think um, when Africa reaches the semi-finals, when Africa reaches the finals, then um, I think the next World Cup will be nine African countries participating. Then we can ask for more. If an African country reaches the final, then we know our stake is more. Africa is invested more. Then we request for more. But as a stand, um, I think um, the five this year, we are expecting to go beyond what you have achieved so far in world football when it comes to the World Cup. And then after the um, the American World Cup, then we can demand, well, maybe if we reach the semifinals again, then we can demand maybe 12 slots. I think if Gianni Infantino together with um, the current CAF president, um, Mutepe, is doing so well. They are collaborating together to bring Africa on the map when it comes to the world stage. So I think it's good efforts by CAF who is um, noticing that the World Cup is a bigger stage of African um, world football and they have to invest more in the direction of the World Cup and also world football. So if it's, I think when we do more, then we can request for more assistance. We have not done much to demand much. So even though we need more, I think we have to do more to demand more. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, watch this space. Yeah, I think he makes a very fair assessment there. I don't know if FIFA is necessarily fair when it comes to things like this. I don't expect Africa to get its fair share when it comes to the World Cup. I think we're still quite far away from that. I personally became a fan of African football back in the early 2000s. It was actually uh, Ghana, the Black Stars, and Nigeria that got me interested in African football. But I want to talk about now. How do you feel about the Black Stars now, Yeah. It's an exciting time to be a Ghanaian, to be honest. Um, these Black Stars players um, give us a sense of belief, something we've not seen of the Black Stars since the 2010 World Cup. It's a new breed of players together with the association who are very new. After the Ghana Football Association have been away or have been banned from football for engaging in Northern Mass um, number 12 expose and all that. So it's a breath of fresh air into our football and then coupled with, there's there's a famous line in Ghana, Bring Back the Love, initiated by the president of the Ghana Football Association, Keto Kweku, who wants to bring every Ghanaian stakeholder on board to be able to promote football in the country. So the pinnacle of it is the Black Stars. Now the Black Stars is the biggest body or the biggest brand when it comes to Ghana football and assembling all the players across the world. Now you look at how symbolic the Black Stars have performed at the AFCON and you realize we have um, a huge gap when it comes to quality. Now, the new technical body, which is which was instituted by the Ghana Football Association, brought on Chris Hutton, brought on Otuado, who is an interim coach, brought on George Watson, Didi Dramani, who has been a long-serving member of the Black Stars, and all the technical body units that we are seeing today. We brought them together. One of their key roles, led by Chris Hutton, was try to convince players of Ghanaian descent to play for the Black Stars. Something we've seen in previous years, in 2010, convincing Kelvin Prince Martin to come and play for the Black Stars, which was one of the biggest decisions Ghana would make because he was very instrumental for the Black Stars at the 2010 World Cup and all the other players. Now, bringing in these new players, convincing, settling issues that were behind the scenes, very big issues. A player like Mohamed Salisu became or was convinced by the new technical body of the Black Stars to become a part of the Black Stars after you know, the back and forth and then the back stories that I really won't want to tell. So this association have done pretty well with bringing all these players together to form a solid team. Now, this solid team 
are doing so well at the World Cup. And it's given Ghanaians the sense of belief that the Black Stars and Ghana football is coming back gradually. And it's, it's really an exciting time to be a Ghanaian at the moment. 100%, 100%. Now, the Ghanaian on our cast here did not pick the Black Stars to move forward in this particular group. He actually picked South Korea. Does it worry you that South Korea is facing an opponent that really doesn't have to play in the final game? We, we also have a good chance of qualifying anyway. Um, South Korea will have to score multiple goals to be able to qualify. Now, look at the permutations. It's very difficult for South Korea to beat Portugal by at least more than two goals. Or very, very difficult, even though South Korea are a very good squad. I think even if Portugal play some of the French players, now I see, um, let me put French in quotes because even the French players are quality players on the Portugal bench. Um, I think they can be able to do well without a doubt. Um, I don't see um, South Korea beating uh, Portugal by more than three goals. No, I think I don't think it's happening. So it's basically between Ghana and Uruguay. My best bet between the South Korea and um, the Portugal game will be at least a draw. I think the Portuguese have quality in them, even if um, their bench players are going to start on the day. Regardless, Ghana will have to win. Now, if there is anything we have to do on the day to avoid looking at the other game and looking at the margin, the fine margin between the other games, then we have to beat Uruguay. Now, beating Uruguay will be a difficult one, but it is something Ghanaians are demanding. Now, when you roam around town, you ask anyone in Ghana at the moment, the famous word at the moment in Ghana are three. Uruguay, Luis Suarez, revenge. Now, revenge will be the most popular word in Ghana at the moment because every Ghanaian is exacting revenge from the what we saw in 2010. Now, even though the technical unit and the Blasters head coach, Utwado, may play it down, Ghanaians within their hearts know we have to beat them. Now, what a better way to beat them than making sure that they do not qualify to the next stage and Ghana progressing to the next stage mm-hmm. of the World Cup. I think as a perfect opportunity to cement or even better, get one of our opponents, Uruguay. So, the Black Star players are feeling motivated ahead of them. Um, and then I believe in the technical team to be able to do a good job on the day to be able to get points from um, this Uruguay team. I think we will qualify. I have no doubt about that. Right on. I like confidence. And speaking (laughs) of the Hollywood ending, let's pass it on to Justin. That was probably the best segue you've ever given me, Kobe. Thank you so much. (laughs) But yes, continuing on with the Black Stars, they have a secret weapon who's not so secret, but he was kind of unknown in like at least the culture and media over on this side of the planet. uh, Mohamed Kudos or Kudos. He, a uh, 22-year-old who plays in the Netherlands for Ajax. This guy is a striker. He's a center forward. He's attacking midfielder, and he's a center mid. First off, number one, how is this guy so versatile and so lethal, yet nobody really talks about him? And number two, he's he has two goals in the World Cup right now, sitting just under Mbappe, sitting under Rashford, and sitting under Ener Valencia. Like, <coughs> and Gakpo, and Gakpo. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> Forgot about him. <laughs> but yeah. So is he going to be the deciding factor for Ghana or are they going to kind of keep him as that secret weapon? Kudu is definitely going to be a great weapon for the Black Stars. Now, I think so much has been spoken about him at the moment and opponents will definitely know his qualities. Mm-hmm. And also depend on how the technical team will set up and um, or how they will play him to be able to, you know, unleash him properly. 
Now, Kudu's best role for the Black Stars has been at the 10 role or the playmaker role where he is in midfield. But at this World Cup, we've seen him in advanced roles for the Black Stars team. Now, he's not exactly the number 10 player that we see in the Ghanaian day-to-day Black Stars affair. Now, in the first game, we saw Kudis on the right wing. Um, and then in our second game, we saw him on the left wing. So you cannot really determine where or where they will play him this time. We have to defend. So I'm expecting another advanced role from the Black Stars team, Otuado. Even though Otuado has been very unpredictable when it comes to setting up his team. He knows Kudus could be a target. And in our first game, I think Kudus was in that particular 10 role, lost two early balls, which um, could have ended very badly for the Black Stars. And indeed, the coach changed him into other good options for him to be able to attack, which eventually got Black Stars the only goal. And the first goal of the game against, or even the equalizer against Portugal. So, how the team will set up will really tell how Kudus will perform on the day. And also, he's the man for the Black Stars at the moment. If anything is going to take for the Black Stars, if the Black Stars are going to do well, if the Black Stars are going to be a driving force in midfield against uh, Uruguay, it's going to be Mohamed Kudus because he can really play in tight spaces. He has that unique skill. He can dribble past four, five. He doesn't really care. Maybe it's because of his upbringing, because um, growing up in Nima, it's almost like street stalker, um, where you play ball in really, really tight corners um, because of the nature of how the community is set up. Really, really close or compact pitches where you have to you know, go past everyone to be able to get to a goal. So it's his upbringing that has been you know, brought him up this way. So he doesn't really mind playing in those tight spaces to be able to get him goal. So... I think he's, he's the man for the Black Stars at the moment. Um, he's the first Ghanaian to score two goals at the World Cup in a single game. And even at his age, uh, Ghanaians are very dependent on him. Look at the Afcon, what happened in the Afcon. From the very first game to the last day the Black Stars exited the Afcon, the name on or the, the discussion in Ghana was Mohamed Kudus from the very fi- first game to the last game. We're expecting the Black Stars or we're expecting Ajax to release him to the Black Stars to be able to play in those games. And it didn't happen. So Kudus is the bright light of the Black Stars at the moment. He's going to be the man that will really take or the man who will do the difference for the Black Stars against Uruguay. Another man will be Thomas Partey anyway. But Kudus will be the main focal point. I was thinking the exact same thing when it comes to essentially his name and his his recognition. When he touches the ball, he does kind of what like Ronaldo and Messi do in the sense that he attracts defenders. So he's going to pull away. He's going to pull like a couple defenders his way and hopefully set it up for somebody on the wing, whether it could be Williams, could be Partey, could be somebody. But he's going to be, I feel like in, in the Uruguay game. I feel like his name is going to be so recognized. I don't know if he's going to get a goal, but he's going to at least pack on the assists. That's my own personal perspective on this, but that's just from me of watching you know, him play before and watching Ghana play. So that's my thing. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. How big of a celebration will it be? And I'm going to say right now, when Ghana advances. Hey. <laughs> Are we going to see a national well, holiday? Friday is already a holiday in Ghana. So every Ghanaian is watching the game. It's a farmer's day in Ghana, but there'll be more celebrations in the Black Stars managed to beat Uruguay. Since it's a holiday, I think people are going to really, really party um, 
on um, the day if the Black Stars advance. I think in Ghana that particular game is the biggest is the biggest of all all the events that will be happening on the day. Um, every viewing center, every organization will at least set up something for their staff to be able to watch. Every street, every every community, especially for Nima and Newtown, um, where uh, Mohamed Kudus grew up from. So already there's a mural of Mohamed Kudus in Nima, um, which has been painted to be able to celebrate um, his success at the World Cup. Now, on the day, I don't think there will be a holiday, another holiday, <laughs> but there's, there's definitely going to be a big, big celebration in Ghana if Ghana progress to the next stage. When they progress. And I'm going to pass this on to our... Oh, no, we are progressing. It's a fact. <laughs> Facts. Hey. <laughs> I love this. I love this energy. We got we to gotta have you on more often, y'all, because these are the insights that I missed at the start of the year. I mean, I, I followed the Black Stars through the AFCON and... It was depressing to see them lose to the Comoros the way they did, but they're here, they're back. And I should also point out that as you record on a Thursday, it's actually the Portuguese Independence Day today. And I'm sure Mr. Ronaldo and his friends, they're not going to want to embarrass the nation the day after. So I think that also helps the Black Stars on Friday. We'll see what happens. Now, I just want to switch gears for a moment because... The World Cup is being hosted by a nation in the Middle East, the, a member of the AFC. It was last hosted by Qatar in 2010. And if you remember, it was a bid between South Africa and Morocco. So tell me, y'all, who's next in line to host the World Cup from Africa, as you see it? Whoa, whoa, this is a big question. I think Morocco, Morocco will be the likeliest. I think um, we can have two North African countries or three North African countries coming together to host the World Cup. Um, Infrastructure-wise, the last couple of years, Morocco um, have been far ahead of all the African countries. They are really, really building some brilliant stuff in Africa. Um, you look at the Mohamed Five, um, and look at their progress in African football. Mm. Uh, they are demanding everything. Now, you look at the roundup to the um, World Cup. Most of the games were played at the Mohamed Five. Now, that particular venue as a multi-purpose venue built big enough to host you know the national team and um, that is a Morocco national team it has a team hotel Morocco themselves have been very good when it comes to infrastructure and look at um, the last women's champions league was hosted in Morocco mm. they were better for the next AFCON anyway they are still in contention after um, there are certain issues regards to the world uh, sorry the African Cup of Nations and how um, it's going to be Hosted after Ivory Coast, um, because of the rainy season, the Afcon has to be moved to July and um, June, July again to be played. And the possibility of Morocco came in. There were discussions around Morocco whether they would bet to be able to host it or take the rights away from um, Ivory Coast. But that is not going to happen anyway. I think um, once CAF has instituted that. The Afcon is going to play at a particular venue. It's very difficult for them to change it. But Mohammed, um, the Mohamed Five and Morocco, what they are doing is brilliant. I think they are doing something every African country is looking at emulating from. But also Egypt is another country, and then there's Algeria. So these three North African countries can come together and host the World Cup. But South Africa is always a good avenue to look at again. But I, I doubt if. <laughs> uh, FIFA wants to send it back to South Africa. But the three North African countries are very good. Or very, you know, viable option for FIFA to look at and host the World Cup. 
Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned the the, the women's um, side of things, the the women's Afcon held in Morocco, and that does remind me of the women's World Cup next year in Australia and New Zealand. So, representing Africa will be Nigeria, Zambia, South Africa, and also Morocco. So, what is your take on those teams going into next year's tournament? I mean, the next year's women's um, Champions League. Mm-hmm. I think Morocco is, you know, brewing in talent when it comes to women's football. Not only did they build infrastructure, but they built a long process and a system where um, they were looking at emulating or maybe building a system where they can, you know, gradually progress the women. They can progress the women when it comes to, you know, talent-wise, um, the talent ID and uh, all the um, the necessary technical materials needed to be, be able to build a successful women's team, women's national team. Now, one key thing they did was bringing in um, a Champions League winning manager for their national team. Now, after bringing on um, someone like that, um, they had the former USA um, um, player who was their head coach as a technical manager. Now, these people actually are the main focal point in Morocco. Now, apart from the investments, these people drive the force when it comes to Morocco and um, um, building talent in the team. Yeah. The talent, when it comes to the individual teams, they are doing so well. For them, it's not about only winning. It's about the progression. Now, I think two years ago, they were in Ghana, and then I had the opportunity of interview, interviewing their national team members. And that was at the point where they had brought in the Champions League winning coach into the Women's Champions League as in, in Europe, um, coach to their head, um, their national team. And what their national team captain, the Women's National Team captain told me was, see, we are building something. And in the future, we know we want, we want to collect the laurels. Now is not the opportunity to collect them. But in the future, we want to be able to collect them all. And indeed, you look at the processes they built and you look at their successes in tournaments. Every year, they have the targets that they want to meet. Every year or every tournament, they set out the targets and they make sure they meet the, the targets. So it's, it's, it's brilliant work for me from them. And um, yeah, um, the Royal Morocco Federation president, Fauzi Lekar, is doing brilliant with building infrastructure in the country. I think they have been brilliant so, that, so far. Hats off to them. Uh, hats off indeed. Yeah, you mentioned earlier about uh, Ghana's efforts to attract players of Ghanaian heritage to play for their national team. There are a number of superstars with Ghanaian heritage who play for other teams, two of which are very close to me. Uh, my father's from the Netherlands and uh, probably our most recognized player outside of Virgil van Dyke is Memphis Depay and he's got Ghanaian heritage. And of course, we're all based in Canada We've got Canada represented at this World Cup, and their number one player, Alfonso Davies, also has Ghanaian heritage. Do you support these players? Do you cheer alongside for these players? Or are you resentful that they're not playing for Ghana? So, so I try to cheer everyone on. We look at all these players, and we have been discussing their possible nationality switches. One player from the Dutch national team, since you mentioned the Dutch national team, that the Ghana Football Association were really looking at was Jeremy Frimpong. The Ghana Football Association discussed with him a bit the possibility of switching, if it didn't happen. But the other players, the Ghana Football Association, are still looking at to be able to switch nationalities. We know Hudson Odoi pulled out um, just at the last part uh, before the World Cup began. 
I know the association will be back for him since he has not played for England. We want to build a quality team. Even though we feel we have to build our local league here to be able to compete with the others um, abroad. I think we, we know the perfect blend of the players of the diaspora and the local players will give us a very solid national team to be able to compete. Now, this association is doing some brilliant work when it comes to or projecting or developing talents. Now, you look at the Black Stars team and they are 19-year-old. Actually, we are the youngest team at the World Cup. And it's no surprise. Um, over the years, we have built our national team on youngsters or players who are relatively very young. Um, a player like Abdul Fatah Ishaq, who has been integrated into the Black Stars team to be able to progress. So, we are finding the perfect balance. This association actually is perfect. And um, finding the perfect balance between the players of the diaspora and then also the players that play locally here. Now, two players locally were given the opportunity to join the Black Stars team. Daniel Fie Banya and Fie Ban uh, Danlad. Now, you look at all these players and they have been through the ranks of Ghana football, playing from the under-17, under-18, um, under-20, and everything in um, all the ranks before playing for the Black Stars. So, like I'm saying, that's pretty an exciting time for Ghana football. And also, the biggest part of it is juvenile football is back in Ghana and they are really playing everything. Every community centre is playing juvenile football, which players are picked from to join the under-18s and the 14s national team, which is really good. And maybe in the future, we see more players developing through the ranks and coming into the Black Stars team. But at the moment, we are finding the perfect blend between the players of the diaspora and the players playing locally here. Okay, okay. And then speaking of other African teams, obviously you're very familiar with all of them. How do you feel Senegal's chances are against England? If, if Sadio was in, they are beating them. No doubt about it. Oh. Uh, but if, if Sadio was in, yes, I, I'll be very confident they, they could beat them because they have um, quality from Edward Men. You look at Koulibaly, you look at Seas, you look at um, even Buena is on the bench anyway. Um, in midfield, they have Kuyate, they have Idisugana Gwent. I know England will come out and then they'll play to the style of Ali Usisse, who loves the counter-attacking style, be able to beat them. And now it's going to be very difficult without Sadio Mane. Uh, but they still have the quality to be able to compete. Um, I, put, I put the word compete. I put up a good fight against them. Okay. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask that same question. I was going to say, Sadio Mane, if he was here, do you think he would win? Evidently, that is... That is what you believe. But with Sadio Mane out, is there a young star in the making or somebody who's going to get that extra playtime now that he's not there? Um, yeah, Bulai Dia is the maximum at the moment. Bulai Dia together with Bamba Dieng. Bamba Dieng featured at the AFCON, um, the one that they won, uh, the last AFCON, I think in the 2022, just earlier this year. And then also there's Bulai Dia. There's Ismail Asad, which everyone is taking to be the next star because... Um, he was a player that um, the Senegal Football Association and even better, at least he waited on to be able to win the AFCON. Now, even though he was injured during the AFCON, Aliusise requested that Watford, um, which was a club that he was at at the moment, brought him to the Senegal Medical um, Department. They had to take him to Spain to be able to make sure he's fit. He came back into the knockout stages and then he i um, actually assisted some of the goals that they scored um, in their, in their build-up to the finals of the competition before eventually winning. So, um, when you take out Sadio Mane from the team, the next star in the team, that is a young star also, is Ismail Asar. 
and his quality is undoubted. He has um, the pace, he has the trickery, even though sometimes um, the immaturity bit shows a bit, but he still has the quality to be able to step up together with Bolidia. Yeah. Brilliant. Before we get you out of here, how can our fans reach you? So I'm on every social media account, um, on Twitter at Yao underscore Ampofo underscore, on Facebook Yao, Yao Ampofo Junior, and also Instagram Yao Ampofo Junior. Yeah. Amazing. And now, since we're from Canada, I have to ask you a very traditional uh, question on this show. Uh, have you ever had a poutine before? Come again, please. <laughs> have you ever had a poutine before? Poutine? Yes. What's that? <laughs> it is a Canadian dish where it's French fries, cheese curds, and hot gravy on top. There's many different forms of it, but that's kind of the standard. Sorry, no, 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 not close. No, no. As if you ever come to Canada, uh, Nee will obviously have to treat you to one. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. When 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 you decide to come to Ghana, make sure you come and eat at the Ghanaian Jollo. Definitely, I'm treating you to that one. Oh please, a hundred percent. I would love it. Yes. There we go. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport is left behind.